0: at butcherbox.com/morningcup and use code morningcup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives here, is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof: Murder at the Warehouse wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders, fifteen miles well, away. When arrived, they found the of- telephone and electricity line a described uh-huh. by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. <laughs> Morning. Cup of- Murder. Wouldn't it be nice if? Once imprisoned for one crime, a murderer just laid out who all of his other victims were. Well, on October 1st, 2003, a man was found guilty for a murder that maybe he didn't admit to, but his DNA sure did. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. When Scott Thomas Erskine was just five years old, he ran out into traffic and was hit by a station wagon, resulting in him being in a coma for 60 hours and frequent blackouts. When he was just 10, he started molesting his six year old sister and abusing her friends. At 15, he escaped a juvenile detention facility and raped a 13 year old girl at knife point. Basically, he had deviant sexual behavior from a very young age. Somehow, despite all of this, he was able to secure an interview as a camp counselor. On his way to the interview, he beat a 14-year-old boy unconscious during an attempted rape. This time, a judge wasn't going to let the, now 18-year-old, get off easy and sentenced him to four years in prison. He was paroled in 1984 and, in 1993, Scott Erskine invited a woman to his home and held her hostage for several hours. During her capture, she was repeatedly raped and sodomized before she was let go. He was arrested again, sentenced to 70 years in prison, and was registered as a sex offender. A step that was incredibly important because as a sex offender, Scott was required to submit his DNA to a database where it sat until March of 2001 when the San Diego Cold Case Squad reopened an unsolved case from 1993. This was the case of the murder of 9-year-old Jonathan Sellers and 13-year-old Charlie Keever. Here are the facts of that crime. On March 27, 1993, Charlie Keever went to his friend's home to go on a bike ride. Last-minute changes resulted in Jonathan Sellers, the younger brother of Charlie's friend, going on the ride instead. The two boys left around noon and headed towards a local fast-food restaurant in San Diego and then headed towards a pet store to play with the animals. Soon after they left, they came into contact with a man who lured them into an igloo-like fort made out of brush along the river. It was there that the boys were molested and killed. Their bodies were discovered on March 29th by a bike rider. Jonathan Sellers was found hanging by a rope from a castor bean tree, arms and legs bound with rope, gagged and naked from the waist down. A rope was wrapped around his neck, and his genitals were damaged. Charlie Kiever was on the ground, his genitals bloody, and showed extensive bite marks. Inside his mouth was semen that was sampled and, in 2001, connected to Scott Erskine. In 1994, while on parole, Scott's probation officer called into police about her parolee being a potential suspect. However, after a cursory look, it was determined that his crimes made him low priority as far as a suspect in the murder of the two boys. If it wasn't for the judge deciding to make Scott Erskine a registered sex offender, the case could have remained unsolved. By September of 2003, Scott was tried for the boys' murder. His public defender, not denying that Scott killed the boys, insisted that the car accident from his childhood left him with serious brain injuries that left him incapable of distinguishing right from wrong. The argument did not stop jurors, who had been shown pictures of the boys' bodies, from finding Scott Erskine guilty of murder on October 1, 2003. However, they did find it difficult to agree on a sentence. The judge declared a mistrial, and a second jury was brought in in April of 2004. This time, the jury returned a verdict of death. But his DNA wasn't done telling a story, because while waiting for the start of his new trial, he was connected to an unsolved murder of Renee Baker, who was murdered in Florida on June 23, 1989. Renee had her neck broken and drowned before being left nude near the bank of the intercoastal waterway in Palm Beach. Neatly piled in the sand just 66 feet from her body were her neatly folded clothes, sandals, and purse. Also nearby was a cigarette butt which contained the DNA of her attacker, Scott Erskine. This time he admitted to raping and killing Baker and was sentenced to life without parole. Many believe that Scott Erskine can be connected to other unsolved homicides, though none have been revealed as of yet.